Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Fort Road Victory Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or get connected, please head to our website at frvc.ca. Now on with the sermon. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Those of you online, thank you for watching. This is part two of Worth the Risk. I titled this one, Jesus, Full of Grace and Truth, because we have to get this. As we went through the, the fast and the 21 days of reading the Gospel of John, you should have picked up on some of these things that, that are truths and that are, that are standard for us as believers, standard for us of, that, that we know that God is this, and Jesus is full of grace and truth. If you've got your Bibles, uh, would you turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 14, 17, and 18. I love this new movement that's happening and that people are bringing their Bibles to church. But here's the thing. I bring an iPad or I bring my phone. I've got like 10, 20 versions. I can't carry 20 Bibles in one hand, but I can carry them all if I bring an iPad. So if you've got an electronic version, that's great, right? But if you're bringing your your hard copy, that's awesome. So uh, turn with me to John chapter 1. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jump down to verse 17. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. Here's a question I want to throw at you right now. What's God like to you? What is God like to you? See, many Christians, many churchgoers, even those who don't know anything about God, see God primarily as this God of justice, right? The world is full of injustice, as we know it. There's so much happening around the world that is just wrong, right? Politically, economically, morally, and we need God to make sure justice is served. And so we want a God who makes sure that no one who, who does a crime or a sin goes unpunished. God, as we see him for most people... He's the lawmaker, and he's the law enforcer. And that's how they knew God back in the days of Moses. They knew him to be this God who was the lawgiver, the law enforcer. And for us, it seems like it's clear-cut, isn't it? But then now you come into this, this gospel of John when you read Jesus is full of grace and truth, right? This verse says something that is totally different to what we want to understand, to what we already came to understand about God. It says Jesus was full of grace and truth and that he declared God, not that Jesus declared himself, right? Jesus declared God. Think about that. He was full of grace and truth, declaring God, meaning he represented God. So that must mean then that God is also full of grace and truth. And yet we see God, a lot of us will see God as this really big being sitting up in the clouds on his throne waiting to punish us if we do something wrong. And Jesus came not to dispel any of those myths or whatever you have that you've believed, but to show you truly who God is. Because we have this picture of God from the Old Testament, right? That he was this really mean guy. And yet we see that It says Jesus was full of grace and truth. And here's the thing. Full of grace and truth does not mean 50% grace and 50% truth. Full of grace and truth means that he was 100% grace and 100% truth. And because he declared God, then that makes God as well 100% grace 
and 100% truth. Raise your hand if you got that. I'm going to do a little teaching here this morning, but you have to get this. Otherwise, you're going to go back to this mindset that you have that God is this big angry God in the sky, and He is not. We've learned that somewhere, and it's wrong. We have to come to this understanding that God is full of grace. Because it's hard to see that. When you read the Old Testament, you see and you read the stories of how he wiped out his enemies, right? He wiped out whole races. And you think, well, where's the grace in that? You know, but yet you read how many times he gave them opportunity to come back to him. He gave them opportunity to follow his word, and yet they split, and they, 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 they walked away from God. They walked away from a place where they were getting fed, and then God had to deal with them, okay? So again, many examples in the Old Testament where God exercised both grace and truth to the fullest. Let's look at the very first one, Adam and Eve. Was God full of grace and full of truth there, right? People say, well, no, he kicked them out of the garden. He kicked them out of the garden, yes, but did he not prosper them? Are we not products of Adam and Eve? He prospered them. He blessed them even though he kicked them out of the garden. What kind of grace is that? That's amazing grace. Remember, grace is something we get that we really don't deserve. Right? We deserve punishment, but he gives us life instead. New Testament. Jesus was God in the flesh who showed grace and truth in action. And that's what we come to understand when we read the Gospels. That's what we come to understand. If you've got your Bibles, I want to show you this one example where it's really clear where Jesus manifests out of both grace and truth. John chapter 8. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. John chapter 8 is the, is the story about the woman who was caught in adultery, okay? Verse 1 says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, think about this. I think, picture me as being Jesus. I'm not Jesus, but I'm teaching the crowd, right? As he was speaking, the teachers of, of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. As he was teaching, as they were doing a little Bible study, somebody opened the door, dragged this woman in half naked because she was caught in adultery. Shocking, isn't it? Right? They put her in front of the crowd. Verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Verse 5 says, the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Verse 11 says, No, Lord, she says, and Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Here we see an incredible picture of grace and truth working together. Not just grace, not, oh, you poor thing. They were so mean to you, they didn't even get a chance to get dressed, right? Or the truth side, which is, yeah, they caught you. They caught you. This was your fault. You're a sinner, and according to the law, we have to stone you. This was understanding how grace and truth work together. 
how it reflects again the, the, the trait of, of our God who is 100% grace and 100% truth. If we don't get that, we're going to run to one of the camps and camp on one side and say, no, this is it. This is who God is. I see him only as this. And yet we have to see that both sides function equally. Both, both characteristics are of him and are of Jesus Christ as well. When Christ showed the Pharisees he, what he was doing, you know what he showed them really? was They weren't operating in truth. They were operating out of their own moral standard. It wasn't even according to the word of God. Think about that. Yes, they brought in the adulteress. But if you look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, which we'll show you, let's read it. This is what the law says. If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both, it says both, everybody say both, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. Did you not question the story when you read it? Though, why did they come in with one person? Where was the man? Well, I can tell you, he got dressed and he's gone. Right? They, here's the thing. It says, that, it says that they caught her in the act of adultery. Not after, but in the act. Perverts. Yes? Do you understand what this is saying? It says, they caught her in the act. That means they would have had to have been looking through the window, had something where they could actually see this happening. I'm not trying to paint any pictures in your mind, but really, this is what's happening. These guys were perverts. Lust was happening at the same time, and yet they bring in the adulterous woman. The guy's gone. Broke the law automatically, but they want to fulfill this law, right? So Jesus is showing them, you don't even know the law. First of all, you brought her alone. Where's the other guy? Where's the other party in this? Deuteronomy chapter 22. Here's another, here's another verse. Chapter 22, verse 22 says, If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman, the woman, so you shall purge the evil from Israel. Again, it's, it, it, these guys are supposed to be well-known for understanding the law. The Pharisees understood it. The scribes knew it. They read it. They study it. They welcome it. But yet, they're obviously doing something of their own. Here comes a man, Jesus, God, saying, no, no, no. Grace operates with truth. He showed her grace and still was able to point her to the truth, right? He says, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Don't even one of them condemn you? And her answer is no. They're gone. So he, he says at the same time, where's your accusers? Meaning you are guilty. You are guilty of breaking this law. But where are they? Right? And then the grace comes in, well, I don't condemn you either. They're not here to condemn you. Well, I don't condemn you either. Go. Now he says, here's the truth again. Go and, and don't do that sin again. Grace with truth, right? I read earlier in, in, in John 1, no one has seen God. And yet here, the actions of Christ himself reflect God the Father. They see him teaching and caring for the people. They see God at work. They see God in the flesh. 
And for us, it's, it's so hard to separate or to, 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 to understand that God and Jesus can be one. We, we automatically separate, well, God's the Father, Jesus is the Son. And yet Jesus reflects the Father all the time in everything that he does. So he breaks down this paradigm that we have of God's here, Jesus is here, revealing himself to be full of grace and truth, which is really who the Father is, right? Again, full meaning there's no more room for anything else. Because what we understand is, well, God is made up of this and this and this and little parts of this, right? And yet we have to understand that full means full. Jesus was full of grace and truth. That would mean God as well is full of grace and truth, right? But we struggle with seeing Jesus as God because, again, they know back in their law, God would automatically punishment dealt with, judgment done, next case, right? And now they're seeing a side of God that they don't recognize, and they want to run back to this law, which they're perverted, and yet Jesus is telling them, I am a reflection of God that you worship. If you've seen me, and how many times have we seen this? right? We read this in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Automatically, John is telling you, start, don't, you know, you, you keep the separation in your mind, you're going to keep picturing God to be this mean bully. Think about it. It should be shattering a lot of thoughts in your mind that you've already said God to be this, because Jesus is the nice God. Jesus is the nice one. God is the meanie. God doesn't let me get, you know, I can't have dessert until I finish my peas, kind of God. But Jesus, I get everything I ask for because he's a nice God. Jesus is a reflection of his Father. In our human minds, we struggle to see this, and it becomes a struggle because we want to keep it separate. Jesus is here, God's here, right? And by sheer title, there's an automatic difference. We place God above the, above the Son. God's up here, God the Father. Jesus the Son, right? The Son is subject to the Father. Jesus says, well, I, don't do any, I only do what the Father tells me. And yet we read how many statements in the Gospel of John where he says, and specifically John chapter 10 and John 14, where he says, if you had known me, you'd have known my Father. What is that saying? Wow, they're the same person too, right? For whoever has seen me has seen the Father. What does that say? Don't separate me from the Father. I and the Father are one. He says that also, also in the gospel. I and the Father are one. And yet in our minds, we get stuck on seeing this, okay? The Pharisees, the Pharisees couldn't understand this, how Jesus could speak on behalf of his Father, because they could only see God as this ultimate authority. They couldn't see that God came in the flesh to continue that authority here on earth. And we have the same problem. It's this understanding that God and Jesus, they're one. And we don't understand that. We keep trying to do the separation. And yet he says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. If you, I and the Father are one. Right? We see God, the law giver, the law upholder. Jesus, the gracious guy. So really, that's what we've done. is We leave, we leave Jesus with the grace title. And we leave God with the truth title. When yet he says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Get this, because this does affect us. As believers, as people who claim to be disciples of God and Jesus, we have to get this in our hearts, because it, it becomes how we manifest and how we reveal and how we reflect Christ to the world around us. 
Okay, how do you see him? There's another question I want to ask. How do you see him? Do you see him as full of grace and truth, or do you see him as grace or as truth? Because in your mind, you might not think about this question really, really carefully, but you do. The way you behave towards others reveals whether you are full of grace and truth as well. Because we are a reflection of Christ, right? Grace people. These, these people are very pleasant, very accepting. If that's you, raise your hand. Okay? Easygoing, very tolerant. They don't make any demands. They're always welcoming. And they're more concerned about being loved. Who's that in the house? Come on, there's nothing wrong with that. You're grace and truth. Okay? Good for you. Okay? Jesus was all grace. Okay? He welcomed sinners and tax collectors and ate with them. He had compassion on the crowds when they were hungry and they were far from home. He welcomed the little children. He healed the lepers, the lame, and the blind. I mean, he just went all out whenever he saw it. Whenever compassion came upon him, he just went all out to do whatever he could to change the situation. My God, he, he changed the, the he, he listened to the criminal that was hanging on the cross next to him. Right? On his dying day, he welcomes the criminal next to him and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Come on. Even to his last breath, he extends grace. Okay, truth people. <clears throat> truth people have strong convictions and principles. They believe in right and wrong. They set standards. They speak out against injustice. It can be narrow-minded at times and even bullish. They're more concerned about being right. Truth people, where are you? Right? Now, here's the thing. Jesus was all truth as well. He condemned many of the religious leaders of the day. Right? He called them liars and hypocrites. Right? Snakes as well. He talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Did you know that? He did. He called all those that would be his disciples to do what? Take up your cross. Leave your mother and your father. Come on. This is Jesus who was full of grace and truth, right? He prophesied against Jerusalem for their unrepentant heart. He obeyed the laws, he set the standard, and demanded everything from believers, not just following, but I want you even your very life. This is Jesus, the truth people. Come on, we relate. But our God, our Jesus, is full of grace and truth. He was both of those. Both of those. And we get stuck trying to put ourselves in one camp we believe that Jesus is this or Jesus is that, but don't realize that he himself is declared to be full of grace and truth. And then by his own words, he says, I declare the Father. I came to declare the Father. I came to reveal what the Father is like. And yet we read the word and we, we, we just automatically split. Nope, I only see grace. Nope, I only see truth. I'm saying today we've got to start blending that together and see how they function 100% of the time. Because think about it, for your own life, he, he had to express grace and truth with you to be where you're at today. Can you say amen to that? Come on. That's the only thing you can really truly understand is well, how did it affect me? Was he all grace with me or was he all truth? No, he, he expressed both. Amen. 
Because without grace, that love would never have been extended. Without truth, I would never repent. Think about that. Without grace, you would never have experienced his love. Without truth, you would never have gone to the place of repentance and say, God, I need, a, I need a Savior in my life. I need you in my life. So he had to express both in order for us to respond to where, where you're at today. I'm going to stop there because I've, the, the, the second half of this is just going to be more for how we relate now because we need to understand this so that we can relate to the world around us and to one another in this room. You want to hear this next part? Do you want to hear this next part? You come back next week. Yeah, Val and Greg, you come back next week. Mike, you come back, period. And that's on YouTube. You got to come, come back. I, I want to show you this because this is so cool. Because if you don't understand this aspect of Christ being full of grace and full of truth, you operate out of one camp, and that's not what God wants us to do. You loved it when I called you up on you're a grace person, you're a truth person. Don't be so good. Don't be so quick to say, yeah, that's me. God wants you to be full of grace and truth as well. Right? Bow your heads. Arnell's probably thinking, what is going on? This guy usually talks forever. <laughs> Arnell, I'm almost done. I hope you're back there. I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. And you know what? If this morning has challenged you to, to look at God differently and to not just look at God, but to respond to him differently and recognize that his grace and his truth is always operating when he deals with you. Then you need to say, God, I've seen you one way and I've, I've kept this view of you and I need to repent. Really, that's what it is. You need to repent before God and say, I have seen you in a totally opposite light than what I should have been seeing you because you love me enough to extend that grace but you're willing to tell me the truth. And this is what we're going to learn next week, how to tell the truth in love, how to speak it in love, because that's what truth should be spoken in love, shouldn't it? When he spoke to you the truth about your sin, about your waywardness, he didn't beat you over the head. He didn't condemn you. He spoke it to you in love so you would come to him and recognize, I need you as my Savior. Bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, that you are full of grace and truth. That everything that we have thought about you said maybe needs a, a renewing in our mind, Lord. It's what you called us to do in Romans chapter 12. Renew our minds so that we would have a fuller understanding of who you are. Even for myself, God, I pray that you would show me this, that it becomes truly operational on an everyday basis to understanding that you are full of grace and full of truth. And if there's anyone in this room that does not know you, the God full of grace and full of truth, that you would show them. You would show them they are lost where they're at today. That they need to come and accept the gift of salvation that you offer to them. And it's not separation that you want from them. Eternal separation is not what you have for them, but you want them to be part of internal family. Let them come to the understanding that they are lost without you and are in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. 
God, I pray that we would just grow more deeply, closer, lovingly, intimately with you as we've gone through these 21 days, that we don't just stop, that you continually challenge us every day to get to know you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go into a time of worship where we just, you know, you can call it singing, but truly it's pouring your heart before God, asking him to speak to you. You've heard the words. Ask the Lord, make, make some sense out of this. Lord, would you show me? You know, when people raise their hands, you see people singing, you see people raising their hands. They're just surrendering before God. That's all it is. So would you stand this morning as we go into worship and just ask God to reveal what this word meant for you. And that without grace and truth, we're striving on our own to try and make heads and tails of who this God is. Thank you. Well, we hope you got a lot out of today's sermon. If you'd like to connect with us, please feel free to check out our website at frvc.ca. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Have a great day, everyone.